This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. We're going to go back to the Word this morning, to a series that Pastor Mark began last week. It's called Happy Together. And it's really a close look at the subject of relationships, is really what it is. It's a close look and a snapshot of what the Bible has to say about relationships of all kinds, whether it's a marriage relationship, a friendship, a business partnership, whether it's uh, two neighbors that live on the same street that are just in some kind of a interactive conversation. The Bible is full of wisdom for those in relationships. When it's all said and done, there's this one big idea that we're trying to drive home in this series, and that is this, that the quality of your life is determined by the health of your relationships. And do you believe that statement? The quality of your life, your day-to-day life, and when I speak of quality, I'm talking about the emotional experience that you would have, the, the depth of fellowship and connection that you would have, the sense of fulfillment and wholeness. When you're talking about quality, you're talking about a multifaceted description of your life. It really is determined by the health of your relationships. It's not the quantity of your relationships. As much as we'd like to think that I need hundreds and hundreds of friends, the Bible is actually uh, pretty clear that there's a friend that we can have in Jesus that sticks closer than a brother, and, and that relationship is the first and the foremost relationship that we need. And then there's other relationships that follow it, and if we just look at the Bible through the lens of Jesus and his relationships, it seems that he had some that were intimate and close, others that were more close but not as intimate, and then he had a lot of acquaintances and so forth, but he really found his value in the close relationships. He knew how to interact with people, and last week, Pastor Mark laid the foundation of this particular series that ran. If you didn't get a chance to listen to his message, you can go back and listen to it online. He really did a masterful job talking about the dream that God has in mind for your relationships in mind. He, he talked about the health of your relationships, The fact is we all experience brokenness and probably if I went around the room this morning and asked many of you, you could tell me of a history of brokenness and moments of marked relationships where you'd say, man, that's not healthy. That's not what I would like it to be. Maybe there's some breakups in your past of what was formerly a close relationship, but now you look at it and say, man, we're not even walking together anymore. Or maybe you're walking together after a season of difficulty and conflict and you've been able to resolve that conflict and now now you're together in a relationship of some kind. Maybe there's some, some baggage that you bring into the current relationship and it's affecting the present relationship that you're in. You're wondering, man, how do I deal with this? How do I manage this? The fact is, all of us have some level of brokenness in our history. We've got some level of fragmentation in relationships, but if we allow God's love to saturate our lives, we can experience a new level of wholeness and we can come to a place where we're, again, happy together. That's what we're calling this series, happy together in our current relationships. Finding new value, new depth, new integrity, and new wholeness. And really, I wanna tell you today, it's my heart as a pastor and it's our heart as a leadership team to develop a level of health in your relationships where you can say, man, I truly am experiencing a level of fulfillment in my life 
because of my relationships. It's our heart, it's our passion. And so even as we're preaching and we're talking, there's a lot of detail we're giving, but we're actually also supplementing online with some other books and some resources that you can go to our website and just look at the Happy Together section and go find some additional resources. I think it would be really meaningful and really helpful if you'd like to go a little deeper. There's a key verse that we're looking at in this series, and it's actually Romans chapter 15. I'd like to read it together again. Romans chapter 15, verse five and six, we're reading from the message paraphrase. And listen to what it says. It says, may our dependably steady and warmly personal God. Isn't that an amazing description of God? Isn't that an amazing description? I just, it's all like, turn our attention to the screen and just listen to this. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God. That's quite a description. It's talking about God as a relational God, not God as some austere, distant, heavy-handed, abrasive kind of God. No, he actually cares for you and he wants to be in relationship. He's steady, he's personal, and may he develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with all of us. That's an amazing picture of a God who wants to be in relationship and he said, now just look at Jesus and how passionate he is about getting along with you. But let's go on and let's finish the verse. It says, then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our master, Jesus Christ. God's actually interested in your voices blending together with other voices and the sound of a choir coming from your relationships. It's, it's a very powerful picture that the author here in Romans 15 is spelling out for us. The big idea behind all of this is this, that you and I were actually created to live happy together. You and I were created to live happy together. This is God's intention for your life. And today I wanna to take it just a little bit of a step further and talk about resolving conflict because the fact of the matter is you and I are meant to live happy together and God desires a sound of a choir to come from our relationships, but can't we just get along? <laughs> Let's resolve some conflict. Let's talk about whether or not I can get along with the people that are around me. I mean, if I'm gonna title it, I'm gonna just ask you a question. I'm not gonna put a big title. I'm gonna just say, can't we just get along? Because sooner or later, relationships that you and I are in are gonna run into some kind of a hurdle. They're gonna run into some kind of an obstacle. You and I are gonna face conflict and the Bible actually has a lot of practical wisdom to speak to this subject and to deal with it. And by the time you walk out of here today, there's three things I'd like you to have. If you could walk out of here with any understanding and with any insight, I'd like you to have some insight into the Bible's view of conflict. I'd like you to understand common responses to conflict. And then I'd like you to walk out of here today with some skills that could diffuse the conflict in a biblical and godly kind of way. How many think that's a good idea? If I'm gonna think about relationships, I've gotta understand conflict. Now listen to this in John 16, verse 33. You can turn there in your Bibles if you'd like. I'm gonna also put it on the screen. John 16, 33, the words of Jesus, he says, I've told you all of this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. I like that. 
In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. Now, some of your translations, if you're looking in your Bible, say tribulation. It actually is an English word that's translated a variety of ways, and in the Greek, it means pressure. It's translated throughout the New Testament in a variety of ways, tribulation, difficulty, conflict, whatever, and however you want to interpret it. The word is pressure-filled moments. Pressure-filled moments. You're going to experience pressure-filled moments, but take heart, I have conquered the world. Jesus himself is saying, I want you to find peace, not in the absence of conflict, but in the presence of conflict. He said, I want you to come to a place in your life where you can actually embrace conflict, walk through it in a godly way, and there would be a, a wholeness in your heart. I'm gonna lead you down a path, Jesus says, of a different kind of life where in a fallen world and in chaotic moments of great pressure, you're gonna have knowledge that supersedes what other people would only long to have. You're gonna have a, a place of access. You're gonna have a point of entrance into a whole new life and it's a place of peace. There's going to be a dimension that's available to you. And he said, in this, you're gonna find great comfort for your soul. Here's what I'd like to suggest to you today, City Bible Church, is God wants to put you as a church in Vancouver, in all of our campuses all over. He wants to put us on display in such a way where people would look at us and say, there's a people, there's a congregation, there's a company of believers who actually live in a dimension that we don't have access to. When they face conflict, they deal with it in a way that we've never seen before. I think that's what God really has in mind for this congregation. He's not really interested in just walking through some biblical truth and gaining some knowledge. He's wanting the knowledge to be applied and that application to bear much fruit. And the fruit that he defines in this verse is the fruit of peace. The word peace that he uses here is not absence from conflict. Again, it's absence from the rage of conflict. It's to know how to process it in a way where there's wholeness in our soul. Well, why do I have to deal with conflict? There's a variety of reasons why you and I face the inevitability of conflict in our life. First of all, the world has fallen, and Pastor Mark preached that last week. Because there's sin in the world, can I just suggest to you, it's not that just you are, a, that, that you do sin, it's that you and I are sinners. It's not just what you do, it's who we are. We actually are a fallen people. It's in our bloodstream. It's in our physical bodies. It's in our mindsets. We lack perfect knowledge. And the fact of the matter is we're at conflict just because we're a fallen people. Because sin entered humanity and we're all born into Adam. And not only are we fallen, but then Satan engineers a lot of conflict. Have you ever been in a situation that's just kind of broken apart relationally and you think, man, I didn't even do anything in this. There's just something that's gone sideways and I can't even put my finger on it. Has anybody in the room ever been in that kind of a situation before? Or, you know, just the enemy's playing with people's minds or thoughts have emerged and you're like, man, that did not come from man and it certainly didn't come from God. It must have come straight from the pit of hell. The fact is Satan is engineering conflict all of the time, trying to upset people's lives and trying to take the peace that God has promised to them and unsettle them and get them to live in a place of absolute chaotic fear and torment where they just don't even really want to live their daily life. This is the enemy strategy, but Jesus is actually unfolding a different strategy. 
He says, now you're gonna have some conflict, but let me teach you how to live in a way where you can deal with the conflict and still be at peace. You can still lay your head down at night and rest. You can still go to work and look at the person who's conflicted in their soul and still love them and bless them. You're gonna carry a kingdom dimension of peace and wholeness with you everywhere you go. Jesus said, this is, this is my desire for you. It's truly a desire to live happy together even in the dimension of conflict. Another reason why conflict exists is because you and I are actually part of a kingdom that's different than the world. So every time I stand and preach the gospel, I actually preach a message that's different than the world system. I'm saying that Jesus is among us. We need to recognize we're sinners. And when we say we're a sinner, we're actually conflicted with the world system. And so sometimes we just live in the tension of conflict because the message we preach is different than the message of the world. Do you know that there's some kind of conflict that the Bible says is actually good to initiate? Solomon himself actually said in Proverbs 27, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. He's actually saying there are some times that it's good to go to somebody and initiate conflict because in that initiation, you're, you're displaying your love rather than hiding your love. So see, not all conflict is bad. Sometimes it just exists because we're in a fallen world. Sometimes it's satanically inspired. Sometimes it's just the gospel working in your life and creating some tension. Other times it just needs to happen so that relationships can go to a higher place. When I look at conflict from that angle, I actually need to come to a place where I say, I can't avoid it. I'm probably gonna need to learn to live with it. And I wanna live with it in the way that Jesus says I can live with it. Here's where I think a lot of Christians get offline. They get naive and they think that conflict is all bad. Can I just suggest to you today that that's an immature thought and we need to come up to a higher level today and recognize that Jesus is going to use conflict in our life to produce higher level maturity. He's going to do some great things through conflict. He's going to draw us out and take us up to a better place. Can I hear an amen about that? So we got to start to appreciate all of these angles of conflict. Now, Dudley Weeks, who's actually an author and deals with the subject of conflict says this. He says, learning to deal with conflicts effectively is an essential life skill. And it's needed by every group, regardless of your age, your social role, your profession, your cultural background, or your beliefs. He says, if you're gonna live in this world, you gotta start to appreciate it, value it, and move into it. Doesn't matter what your background or what your age, we can all grow. And this is just somebody that lives in the world who studied the subject says, you're gonna have to begin to appreciate it. So I mentioned a little bit ago that this word tribulation or difficulty that Jesus used actually means pressure. And here's a, a little bit of a definition that I think would be good for you just to get into your mind and to get into your thoughts. The word difficulty means pressure that constricts. It's a narrow place that hems somebody in. It's internal pressure that causes someone to feel restricted and without options. You see why? Why we don't like conflict many times is because of the, the pressure that it produces. It's an internal feeling of discomfort. And Jesus is actually saying, hey, you're gonna have this in your life. You're gonna have moments of internal pressure and you're gonna feel like you're stuck. You're gonna feel like you can't get 
away from it. In fact, it's gonna cause you to feel like you're living in a dangerous place and in a, a moment where the pressure could just break. Have you ever, and maybe you're this person, have you ever been in a relationship where you really don't know you're in conflict but somebody internally is building up pressure, building up pressure, building up pressure, and then one day they just blow? Like it all comes out everywhere. That's the kind of difficulty that Jesus is talking about. It's something that starts on the inside and eventually begins to show up on the outside. Well, this is what we're gonna experience. Now, I set a pop can up here earlier and I think it's, it's kind of a great example. I did some study on this this last week and they say that the carbon dioxide that's put into this can is liquefied into the liquid ingredients and the bubbles are not separate from the ingredients in the beginning. This can is actually pressurized at several hundred pounds per, per square inch. There's a lot of pressure. And when you pop the can, you can hear it go, Psst. you can hear the, the pressure come out. And what happens is the carbon dioxide that's in the liquid actually separates from the liquid and starts to expand the moment that you open the can. Well, I can actually do something now while it's still closed to get the bubbles to start to separate from the liquid and expand, and it's to do this. <laughs> now, how many would feel really confident with me walking over near you and cracking the top of this thing now? You see, it was pressurized in the beginning, but now it's really pressurized because something about the shaking of this can causes the separation of those things and, and the pressure is mounting and it's greater and it's greater and it's greater. And most people would look at that and say, man, that's a, that's a problem waiting to happen. But for the little kid who does it and then sets it back on the counter, waiting for somebody to come along and open it, it's not a problem, it's actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity for some fun, for a little humor, right? And so they watch as grandma or they watch as their brother or somebody comes along and cracks that thing open and that thing just goes everywhere. Well, I'm not gonna do it. I just want you to know that. <laughs> to one, it's viewed as a problem. To the other, an opportunity. Do you know that the, the Chinese character, see, you didn't know this because you're not a linguist like I am, right? I'm not, I don't speak Chinese, but I did learn this this last week, that the Chinese character for conflict is two, two characters. And the one on, I don't know which side, one of those two stands for danger, and the other one stands for opportunity. When the Chinese write about conflict, they actually write about danger and opportunity. Would you say those two words with me? Danger and opportunity. This pop can could be seen as dangerous, or to some, it could be seen as an opportunity. Both are pressure-filled. Conflict is all about pressure. There's something that shook up your life that's creating the separation and the tension and the internal unsettledness, and somebody comes along and opens it, and they say, ah. Somebody else says, ah. I've actually realized that the way that you deal with this has everything to do with whether or not it produces the intended result. If I don't shake it, I'm able to open it and drink it and enjoy it. If I do shake it, how I open it is very, very important. 
The other thing I realized is a lot of people say, well, just take the can and tap it. Take the can and tap it because that will reduce the bubbles. Do you know I watched Mythbusters and it's not true. (laughs) It doesn't reconnect the carbon dioxide to the liquid. You can never get it back in there again. What you can do is set it down and let it sit for a while and it will simmer down, but it will never return to its original state. You're gonna have to open it at some point. You're gonna have to let it out. You're gonna have to expose it. There's something that's going to have to happen. Now, I'm gonna set this off to the side and not open it. I just want you to know because I don't trust what's about to come out of that can. Larry Crabb says this, and I think it's so good. He says, the difference between spiritual and unspiritual community is not whether or not conflict exists, but it's rather our attitude towards approaching it. When conflict is seen as opportunity to draw more fully on spiritual resources, then we have the mark of a true spiritual community. He's saying, if you don't know how to deal with conflict well, you're not really following in the footsteps of Jesus. It's a pretty radical statement that he makes, but he's saying we cannot leave conflict undealt with. We cannot leave it untouched and unprocessed. We can't set it aside and forget about it because the pressure will always exist. At some point, we've got to open it up and deal with it. Well, there's a couple of ways that people respond and those two Chinese characters actually represent a lot. Some, some see it only as dangerous, others see it as opportunity. And that actually gives us a snapshot of two common ways that people respond. One would be the ostrich. Everybody say the ostrich. One would be the ostrich, which is somebody who clams up. They don't really wanna talk about conflict. They give the cold shoulder and they say, you know, I don't really wanna speak about this. They even withdraw emotionally. And I'd like to challenge you today that if you're an ostrich, it doesn't mean that you're dealing with conflict right. It just simply means you're burying your head and trying to pretend it doesn't exist. But conflict undealt with is still conflict. And here's the thing. It's not in a can that you get to set to the side. It's in your own soul. It's in your own heart. The conflict is in you. Now, I don't think that it can be healthy for any believer to cause that kind of internal pressure and then just live with it. Somehow it's gotta be processed. Somehow it's gotta be resolved. And how we deal with it is so very important. So the ostrich is one way. The guy who just simply says, I'm not here. They divert their interests. They redirect conversation. You say, hey, can we talk about that? And they say, no, not right now. I, I, I. And they re- redirect. I'm not gonna ask in husband-wife relationships in the room this morning, who's the ostrich? You probably already know. But then there's the second common way of dealing with conflict, and it's the bull in the china shop. There's always one in in a marriage relationship that sees it more as an opportunity, willing to plow in, kind of ready for a fight. The response is exactly the opposite from the ostrich, they actually like to win at conflict and they actually see it as an opportunity. Man, I'm gonna gonna get in and speak to this and we're gonna resolve it. I read a CNN article this last week about conflict and they actually reported on a guy in Berlin, Germany. Uh, The police had to confiscate from a 73-year-old man a raid siren because 
His neighbors complained over and over again, saying it just continually went off over and over again. And when the police asked him why that incredibly loud siren was going off, he told them he used it when his wife and he would fight. <laughs> he said, I, I try to speak up, and then I go into the other room, and I just want to bury my head and pretend it doesn't exist. He said, but she follows me into the room. Like she's looking for a fight and I don't know what to do. So I just hit the air raid sign or hit the air raid button and I send that signal off and it's the only way she lets me get a word in. And the police said, sir, you have to give us the siren. You can't, you can't involve the entire neighborhood in this process. One wants to hide, the other one wants to dive in and deal with it. And both are challenged. So what do you do? The Bible actually says that you and I can diffuse conflict. Jesus said that there's a way to come in and diffuse the pressure. When I open the top of the can and I let out the pressure gently, I can actually change the order of that pressure and deal with it in a gentle kind of way. So how do we diffuse it? I've actually just put the word diffuse up and I've got, using that as an acronym, I've got a thought for each letter and here they are. The D is simply this, define. Everybody say define. Define, take time out and actually define the real problem. You see, Jesus actually said in Matthew 5, if your brother has something against you, go and be reconciled. Reconciled means to be joined back together again. Find the right order for the molecules. Deal with it in the right way. But he said, he's got something against you. Go find out what the something is. How many know what we argue about and what the real problem is sometimes are two totally different things? Sometimes we argue about something and we realize, man, this is not even the real problem. So here's what I think the best thing to do is to define the real problem is to actually stop the arguing for a moment be quiet, separate yourself from the conflict, start to journal, get, get your thought process engaged as to what the real problem is that we're facing. And here's what I think. I think if we can define it, the problem becomes different than the person we're fighting with. Can I just say that again? If you can truly and accurately define it, the problem itself begins to be separated and different from the person that we're fighting with. I don't know how many times my wife and I have been in an argument and I, I, I wanna fight her when in reality, it's a problem that she and I are facing. And if we turn our attention to the problem itself and, and work on it together, we'd be a lot better off. But what we do is turn and fight each other instead. Everybody say, define the problem. The second thing is I, it's to initiate. Initiate, initiate is simply this, initiate a time to talk. The ostrich would say, I'd rather hide. The bull would rather say, I'll solve it and I'll solve it right now. But I think the best way to respond is to simply say this. We need to talk about the problem. When's an appropriate time to do that? To set the time to move into it and begin to actually diffuse it in a godly way. The third thing is, is F is to focus. And the word focus simply means to get our attention pointed on the right thing. And if I'm gonna talk about focusing, I've gotta know what the problem is. And if I'm gonna go into that meeting and I'm gonna start talking about conflict, whether it's with my wife, a coworker, a neighbor, I'm going to say, we need to talk and, 
And since we've set aside this time, I'm gonna share what I perceive the problem to be. Now, if I go in and say, we're gonna talk because I wanna get to the bottom of things, I'm sick and tired of the way that you, we're probably not gonna get very far in the conflict resolution. But if we say, you know, I've been thinking about it and I've been pondering and I perceive that the problem is and define what I think the problem is. Now tell me what you perceive the problem to be. Do you see it the same way? What I'm actually doing is, is moving closer to the individual to solve the problem together. Such an important part of the journey. That's how I get my focus right. But I don't stay just simply on focusing on the problem. The the fourth thing I've got to do is I've got to feel. Everybody say feel. This is, this is where I'd like to address the subject of empathy, where I actually begin to cross the, the barrier and the divide between me and the other person, and I say, I wonder what this has done to their soul. I wonder what this has done to their mind, and I begin to feel what they feel. I begin to allow the impact of, of this conflict on them to affect me. I don't know how many times in relationships we say things and there's an impact, but we never stop and think about the impact of our words on that other person. Maybe I've been withdrawn for months and that distance actually makes them feel less than cared for, less than valuable. I need to empathize and ask, man, how do you feel in the midst of this conflict? And allow that to settle into our hearts. Why do I think this is important? I think it's important because Jesus himself came and he dwelt among us. And the Bible says today he can be our faithful high priest because he's been tempted like we've been tempted. He's lived where we live. He empathizes with us in our weakness. Aren't you thankful that God himself empathizes with you and as such came to heal our relationship? I think if we're gonna walk in the heart of God, we've got to learn the principle, the method, and the model of empathy. Not only do we need to feel empathy, we need to you, we need to uncover. We need to uncover. Most conflict is a symptom of a deeper problem. So I need to not only recognize and try to define the problem, but I need to uncover and get to the root of it. How did it get here? How did this show up in our life? And you know what I found about problems is there's sometimes that I would be in a conflict where we're, we're maybe disagreeing over a work problem. And I'm, I'm talking about this work problem with somebody and I'm saying, man, this, this thing is really frustrating. And then I realize that the problem that we're dealing with is not a relational problem. It's actually the threat of budget cuts. And I'm, I'm a little nervous in that conversation. And in that threat of budget cuts and the pressure that that produces, maybe they're afraid that they're gonna lose their job. You realize that there's not only a problem, but there's a root and a thought process behind it that's actually deeper and wider than I ever could have imagined. If I don't go into conflict with an open mind and an open heart, we'll never get to the root of the conflict. Everybody say uncover. The S stands for this, and the S stands for the word set. Set. Once you know what the real problem is, you have to really do several things to set things right relationally. You see, conflict is not really dealt with unless it's fully set right relationally. How do I set relationships right? 
Well, one thing I've got to do is I've got to own my responsibility. You know, I, I said some things I shouldn't have said. I, I did some things that I shouldn't have done. I didn't take time to really understand your perspective. And because of that, I want to own my wrong. I want to confess it. And by the way, not only confess it, I want to ask you to forgive me for not empathizing with you earlier in this process. For misunderstanding your words. Would you forgive me for misunderstanding you? I'll own it completely. Next time, I'll seek first to understand you before I try to tell you everything that I think. And I'll actually try to make some changes so that I deal with conflict better next time. And then I go on the process of rebuilding that relationship. The fact is we've got to set relationships right. And lastly, the letter E is the word establish. Establish. And as the band comes back, I'd I'd like to read a scripture to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this. I'll read verse 18 in just a moment. Verse 20 says this. It says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Everybody say, be reconciled to God. Just go back to the previous slide, D-I-F-F-U-S-E. We're diffusing conflict. We're, we're taking whatever pressure exists, we're defining it, we're initiating, we're focusing, we're feeling by empathizing, we're uncovering to get to the root issue, we're seeking to set relationships back in order, and then we're establishing what? We're establishing Christ at the center of our lives. You see, the fact of the matter is, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said, I'm actually an ambassador. I'm a messenger of Christ. And I'm showing up here in the church and writing this, this word about relationships because Christ is the model relationship with us. So before he gets into their personal relationships, before he gets into the conflicts in the church, he said, get your life right with Christ. Here's what I found. I found that my personal relationships with my wife, with my friends, with my coworkers, with my neighbors, they go a lot better when Christ is at the center of my life. When Christ isn't at the center, the last thing I wanna do is define anything other than what I think. I don't wanna initiate resolve, I wanna initiate confrontation. I don't want to focus on anything but how I feel in the moment. I don't want to empathize. I want you to empathize with me. <laughs> now, maybe I'm the only one who's fragmented in the way that I deal with conflict, but I'm not good at it unless I have a model. I'm not good at it unless I've got something at the center that's setting a course and a compass. And so Paul's imploring the Corinthian church and he's telling them, in order to have healthy relationships with each other, I implore you first, establish your relationship with Christ. Could I go this far? And to say that if we don't have whole relationships with each other and we're not dealing with conflict well, we might have a God problem? Could I go that far and to just suggest to you then maybe what we need to do is humble ourselves before God and say, God, 
Why am I struggling to walk in peace and wholeness with my fellow Christians? Why do I look at that neighbor and hate him so bad? Why do I feel like I have the right to put my head in the sand and distance myself and pretend the conflict doesn't exist? Paul's imploring them, establish Christ at the center of your life. Those previous points all have truths biblically, but they don't work fully unless you surrender your life to Christ. We're not into some self-help agenda here and say, man, here's seven points to a better relationship. No, get the one relationship right, humble yourself before Christ and recognize we're broken people and we don't do relationships well, we don't do life well, we don't do marriage well, we don't do peace and resolution of conflict well unless Christ is at the center of my life. And when he's at the center of my life, he motivates me, he compels me, he puts a true love in my life and he becomes a model to me that says, I don't have the right to leave conflict on the shelf. I have to diffuse it. I have to move into it. And this is what he says in verse 18. I'm gonna put the scripture back up. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us through himself and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, putting relationships back together with each other and with him. This is what he's saying. We're gonna actually have a testimony to others because of our relationship with God. I'd like to draw you out today. I'd like to encourage you and begin to ask you to stop and ponder what is the biggest relational conflict going on in your life right now? What's the biggest struggle you're up against? Where are things the most tense, the most conflicted? And I wanna say that the word of the Lord calls you. It calls you to be a diffuser of conflict. It calls you to move into it because Christ himself looked at humanity and said, there's conflict, we're separate, and this isn't okay. And because it's not okay, I'll empathize, I'll go, I'm going to diffuse this conflict. And go back to the list again. And what he did is he defined the problem. The problem was sin. And he initiated a time to talk. Can I hear an amen? He focused on the problem. He didn't let it go away. He felt what we felt. He uncovered the root of the problem and he came into this world to set relationships right. And as such, he established himself at the center of our lives. And for all those who would call upon him, you can have the conflict with your eternal God solved, set right, put back in order again and have a model to turn and give to other people. Can I hear an amen about that? Come on, he's the great diffuser of conflict and now he's calling you to do the same. I want you to stand to your feet with me today and I want you right now, just in this spirit of faith, to get at the forefront of your mind the conflict that you're facing right now. Maybe it's between you and God. Maybe it's between you and somebody else and we're gonna sing this song. Love so sweet is washing over me. And we're just gonna invite Jesus right now to come and saturate our soul, soften our hearts, and begin to prepare us, prepare us to face conflict. Come on, let's sing this to the Lord.